Don Campbell, noted real estate expert, author, and the founder of Rain, the Real Estate Investment Network, is a huge fan of investing in condos. Find out why Don invests in condos and what type of condos Don invests in on today's episode. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show, returning guest, Don Campbell, expert, author. You know him, you love him. Don, welcome back to the show. Great to have you. Oh, great to be here again, Andrew. That last one was so much fun that we couldn't pass up a second chance. Awesome. Great, great. Uh, why don't you tell us, uh, I know you travel a lot, you're all over the place, um, but most of the time you seem to be on various farms. So. <laughs> it seems, isn't it? Recently, well, it's, yeah. you know, we're recording this in the spring, and the springtime for anybody who has any acreage whatsoever knows that it's a busy time. time, and you're just working your buns off at the moment. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's that. I was just did a, a big event in Toronto talking about you know, uh, not to buy into the story that, you know, this is different this time and, you know, this boom is going to last forever. And, you know, it's just trying to bring a sense of reality to mm-hmm. what Kool-Aid people are drinking out there. And, and so we had yeah, done lots of traveling. And, and as I, as I stand here, as you know, Andrew, why we're a little bit late on the recording is now our chickens are hatching. So another yeah. is don't count. <laughs> before they hatch well i'm now getting <laughs> out the chickens and not just the eggs so there you go wow there we go <laughs> yeah we we got delayed a little bit chickens were high and yeah i i have never received a, an email like that sorry we need to delay the recording chickens are hatching <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard that was good my homework before but not chickens hatching <laughs> yeah yeah that's great that's great um, well, yeah, I want to ask you about your farm and your projects related to that. Um, but um, let's jump in and talk real estate first. And, and uh, why don't we start with the Canadian economy? I know you're a big student of the economy. Um, I know you're pals with one of my favorite guys on the subject, Benjamin Tao. Um, I don't know who else you follow. Maybe you could tell us who else you, you know, who do you follow? Who do you listen to when it comes to the economy? And um I gladly do that. And here's yeah. an interesting thing is that I listen to follow and pay attention to people that I know and trust and people who I think have a different opinion than me. Um, you know, the, the recency bias and the, and the bias towards finding things, news articles, et cetera, that support our own beliefs is so strong that if you don't fight it, you can become uh, really caught up in an echo chamber, which is, which means, you know, what you, what you, what you're believing will never change, even if the market starts to change. And that's why mm-hmm. Benjamin and I had, had a wonderful dinner and uh, had, had some more chats about what's going on. And, you know, but I look at everything from the guys at Capital Economics who've been calling for a Canadian real estate collapse for the last what seven years and um you know anybody who's listening to that and they may be listening to this podcast have have missed out on some very very good returns on their capital and but i I will listen to them so i don't get caught in my own bias and then when we're talking like like if i'm talking with benjamin tall or something we, we will bounce our ideas back and forth and 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 uh just just, just to see and check are we in mm-hmm. the world and um Rather, or the the myth and belief world, and that's the lesson that listeners can take. Is like, honest to goodness, get out of your echo chamber. Doesn't matter whether it's political, 
economic, real estate, and uh, you know whatever it is, make sure you're always testing your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so much of real estate investing is psychological, isn't it? I mean, uh, we, we look for things, I guess, in human nature, we look for things to support what we already believe. Um, we, we attach ourselves to people who be- already believe the things that we believe. Um, but, you know... Even even to the point now with the, the way that, quote, the angry have taken over the world, and I think if you go to donrcampbell.com, I've done a whole social experiment on the angry and how that's affecting the world and the economy, etc., um, but if you, you know, we, we almost are drawn, if somebody has an opinion that's different than us, we're almost drawn to making them wrong. And they may be wrong, but making them wrong publicly. Like, how dare you think like that? I can't believe that you voted for this guy, or I can't believe that this is happening, and you think that you're just a shill. And I hear that all the time with everybody. Right. Everybody's right. called a shill. And I've rebranded it and mm-hmm. the, those people are the shills of the shrill and uh, <laughs> they, they just use that as their defense because then they don't have to do anything other than just make other people wrong and that, yeah. how is that forwarding how we're thinking about the economy canadian economy is has some good upticks recently right if you looked at the headline numbers let's look at the job growth let's look at the quote unemployment growth or the employment growth and we looked around and, and we started to peel the onion and we saw, wait a second, these, these jobs that have been showing up in the last 60 days, the majority, if you go down to industry, are in retail and government hiring. I'm going, well, that doesn't sound like a sustainable GDP growth issue. So we have to be very careful that we don't buy into just the headlines. Look at us. We're going to be, we're better than America. We made more jobs than America. Yeah, well... It's a different game um, if when you start to peel the onion. So really, really focus on pockets where actual sustainable jobs are. Now, of course, mm-hmm. the hiring of, by government is really going to help Ottawa. That's going to do very, very well. Like the city of Ottawa has got lower unemployment, more jobs, et cetera. And mm-hmm. of course in Toronto, Queen's Park's doing doing their bit to spend your money. Oh, did I say that out loud? I meant to... Uh, <laughs> Easy, easy. To support the economy in the in the region, but once you get out of those those kind of key government towns, you really have to look, and that's why we're so specific on which cities, neighborhoods that you really have to mm-hmm. mm-hmm. kind of avoid. Yeah. Now, last time we spoke, uh, I believe just over a year ago, was when the you know the the oil uh, prices were were just beginning to tank and here we are over a year later and they're still obviously very very low mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of uncertainty at the time of how long it was going to last and what impact that might have especially on the um, you know the western Canadian markets in particular but the economy as a whole um, you know where do you what are you seeing after you know this is is this the new reality now for a while um, are we have things sort of normalized or is there still worse to come with respect to oil prices um be positive negative yeah yeah what what uh is such an important part of the overall economy sure there's only a couple of uh have provinces now which when you do the math doesn't make sense but um you know the, the money that goes flows into confederation instead of going out of confederation into the other provinces so 
And one of them was Alberta. And, of course, they're struggling. So that takes another have province out of the loop. So, you know, you start to do that math and you quickly find out that no matter what, everybody politicizes oil and gas and, you know, all that kind of crap. But they don't politicize automotive or Bombardier, which is odd. But um, don't, don't both of those things burn oil and gas? It's just, just a question I had out there. There's, you know, Bombardier and, and automobiles. But anyway, a whole different world. Yeah. Oil and gas industry is um, it's 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 fraught with not just supply and demand. A lot is has to do with politics. A lot has to do with the trading in the back rooms. A lot has to do with Saudi Arabia trying to trying to counterbalance Iran and their uh, their coming into the world under the new agreement with the U.S. You've got lots of stuff that's in place. So to for for me to think even think that I can forecast the future price of oil is is nonsense. But the reality is, is that they, this has really driven a lot of cost cutting in the oil production industry. And there, there are now a number, a, a very large number, which I can actually send you, Andrew, you can put in your show notes if you want, that the, uh, of companies that are now able to produce oil in that 30, at profitably at 30 to $60. Really? Because the cost cutting has right. really occurred. Well, of course, cost cutting costs jobs and jobs drive real estate. So now that's why we're seeing at about month 2021, 20, the uh, just, just bang on predicted uh, the Calgary real estate market is starting to accelerate in its um, average sale price drop and days on market and um, even price sold versus list price. All those stats that really matter yeah, um, are really starting to show up that uh, that Calgary's under pressure. Edmonton, not so much. Uh, they've got a lot more jobs there. It's a government town, uh, and it's got an NDP government, so it's hired a bunch more people, and so that's kind of buffered it. But inevitably, inevitably, if oil stays at forty or below, or even forty-five or below, you're going to see some more pain coming into Alberta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You dollars into the federal coffers. Yeah, that's the reason that you're starting to hear. Um, our prime minister talked about, well, maybe we should do a pipeline. Yeah, because the reality is starting to set in. You know, rhetoric, right. doesn't, rhetoric doesn't feed people. Uh, and uh, they're finding out that, oh, yeah, we got to kind of feed people. Yeah, <laughs> we kind of got to feed people. Yeah. Do you, um, Benjamin Tao, one of the things he has said a few times is basically that low, low oil prices are actually good for probably 95% of Canadians. Um, do, you, do you buy into that concept? Um, I think that it, it it is if it's taken advantage of. Our problem in this country is that we don't take advantage of it because you're, you know even with the oil at its low price, we're here we are up at eighty some odd high eighties on the Canadian dollar because the U.S. dollar is falling off. And if we can't sell our product worldwide, we've got people um, that are protesting the uh, just about every trade agreement that we have. Um, even the new one that, that's coming up, Trans-Pacific Trans- Partnership. Well, those those Trans-Pacific Partnership, if you read it, if you actually read it instead of just read the headlines, there's a lot of job opportunity for export companies. Well, export companies, which are based mostly in Ontario and Quebec, mostly, and therefore job stability is starting to show up. But Don, what if somebody opens a factory in Mexico? Well, it's Trans-Pacific, so the... the, the uh, Factory would be in Indonesia, it wouldn't be in Mexico. But um, at the same time, it, being that we're a manufacturing and an exporting country, 
we need customers other than the U.S. Because I don't know if anybody's paid attention. Does anybody know that there's an election going on in the States? And all four of the candidates, well, I guess there's three now, I think it was a couple of days ago, are protectionist, which is buy America, um, do what you can to, to uh, force the jobs back into America. Right. By the way, that's not good for us, especially no, no. where we expect, export so much, including yeah. automotive. And I think that everybody has to stop drinking the Kool-Aid that mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're not going to be a, the effect of the presidential election, which we are. So, you know, our economy is based on, you know, historically, we've got a lovely high-tech centers. We've got one in Vancouver. We've got a big one in the tech triangle. But generally, you know, we've got finance in Toronto. But generally, we're hewers of wood and carriers of water and agriculture. And then we've got petroleum now. Now, we have jobs that people get their hands dirty in. And um, the unfortunate thing is that it seems like we're kind of forgetting that that's what pays the bills. But, so we have to be very careful. We had a, a, an expert on uh, cycles not real estate cycles, but actual economic cycles at okay. a conference that I was just talking about in Toronto. And, uh, his name is Gil Dawson. He was the guy that was booed off the stage when oil was a hundred and something dollars saying, uh, guys, you, you don't drink the Kool-Aid. It's going to be, and it's going to bounce off of $40. And it, it, they literally booed him off the stage and, and sent him out at this conference. And inevitably, 18 to, I think it was 20 months after, that's what exactly what started what happened, and um, so we had him out to start talking about how that affects Ontario, how that affects Manitoba, how it affects Quebec, how it affects Toronto itself, because Tor- Toronto is you know it's large enough to be its own universe, right? It, yeah. Its own economic universe, yeah. but at the same time, it's not isolated. So just uh, you, uh, most people can I think you can download that on the Rain Canada website. You gotta listen to it, even if you're not investing in anywhere outside of Toronto. Great, great. Yeah, we'll include a link to that in the show notes for sure. Um, shifting gears to um, the real estate market specifically here in the GTA, one thing you've said, you know, many years ago, and it was proven to be true, was basically the divergence uh, that has taken place between the high-rise condo market and the low-rise uh, sort of. Uh, low-rise markets in the GTA. Um, and, you know, we've seen, of course, we've seen massive price increases year over year in the low-rise market. Uh, and the condo market has been relatively flat the past few years, still going up, but uh, but, but nothing compared to the low-rise market. Um, now it seems over the last, you know, six months or so, um, everything, <laughs> condos, high-rise, low-rise, everything seems to be going up at uh, incredible rates um where, where do you vancouver or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it we seem to be he- pre- trending towards vancouver sort of uh, insanity but where do you see things heading in the gta market and the, and the divergent you know sort of differences between high rise and low rise well d- you know it sounds to me like you want to talk dirty right and that's called the, 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 everything is driven by dirt the cost of dirt and uh and it was an it, after our research, it was really obvious that we were going to have that divergence. Um, you could see that dirt was becoming increasingly more in demand at the same time as a, you know the old saying, they don't make it anymore. And uh, they were stacking up the condos because you can do that. That's, that's the cool bit about density. And 
Great news about condos, as long as they are two-bedroom or larger, is that they are on a, a very good long-term upward trend. Um, bachelors and ones, like demographic demand-wise, and mm-hmm. bachelors and ones and those crazy micro-suites, those, I know they're selling hot now. I get it, guys. You know, I get that it's, wow, it's, it's all that people can afford. And, you know, I've heard all the arguments. But if you look at basic demographics and economics and people learning how to have babies, um, those are going to be in much, much less demand. Hmm. You're going to see a, a real increase in, you know, we're already seeing rental wars or rental bidding wars yep. in Toronto, which we've seen in Vancouver before as well, and, and Calgary, actually. And, um, and so you're going to see those, the demand over the next 10 years, because I'm hoping that investors are thinking five and 10 year horizons, not flip this house, flip that house kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, you're going to see the demand really start to ramp up on two bedroom, two bedroom and den yep. within walking of TTC or a go train station. Yep. And it sounds obvious, but so did when I was talking about the divergence, whatever that was four years ago, was that on Bre- breakfast television or something, I think. And, um, and, and, but people go, Oh yeah, yeah, Don, whatever, whatever. That's awesome. And then, they're going to miss out. They're going to be buying the micro suites. They're going to be buying the one bedrooms. They're going to be buying the bachelors because they work and they probably cash flow a little bit and they're going up in value because right now we're in that game called musical chairs. Well, the music is playing. We're all running around the chairs, giggling and laughing. Ha ha ha. It's all fun. And then when the music pauses, um, and I don't think it's going to stop, but you know, it pauses. It has to take a breath. Then you see the carnage that occurs. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, all the smiles turn to elbows, and uh, people are pushing children out of the way to grab onto their the next chair. Um, and uh, and I hope that investors are paying attention to not just price increases. They're looking for the demographics that are driving it, the economics that are driving it. And this 27% of the population, actually a little bit more in Toronto, and a little bit even higher in Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. Um, 27% of the population is that millennial zone, right? It's they're they're just kind of getting in the game, and um, and condo living is good. Condo living is acceptable. You know, they don't have to have a car. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the newer condos, especially the older condos, not not as much unless they've been renovated from a demographic point of view. So that's yep. where your demand's going to head, and you'll see yep. increases more quickly: 10, 12, 14 percent faster than on the bachelors and the ones now are you do you think most of that demand is driven towards the larger suites uh, you think it's going to be driven just by the fact that people like you said people are getting married people are having kids families are starting and home prices have just completely you know skyrocketed therefore it's just an affordability issue i can't buy a house so um you know 10 years ago i would have bought a house but i can't buy one now so i'm, I'm going to be buying a condo i need a two-bedroom Oh, absolutely. And also, you got to understand that when you start to really study the millennials, which is what we do, it's, it's kind of an obsession of ours, and uh, is that they're going to have more jobs than us baby boomers had in our whole life. They're going to have you know four or five times more different jobs, more contract-style jobs, more uh, uh, working-from-home jobs, so that, that having that second bedroom or at least a space in which to go to 
when the kids are screaming and you have to get your work done. Um, you know, you're also going to see in the condo world, which if you own a condo building and you're in a condo building and you have a commercial space, one of those WeWork style um, hangouts for people who work at home or independent yep. contracts. Yep. That's, that's massive trend that's going to be coming into downtown Toronto and downtown Vancouver because space is so expensive. Um, and that will buffer the demand for two-bedroom, but at the same time, it's not going to curb it very much. So, yes, yeah, so what they're doing is they're going, are we going to move to Hamilton or Barrie or, well, I guess not Vaughan, but, you know, the new, the new TTC going out all the way out to Vaughan. Um, is it going to be more affordable? Are we going to do that? Or are we just going to stay where we want to live, downtown, and get a larger suite? And that's generally what's going to drive it. You're also going to see a little bit of downsizing, no, nowhere near as much of the downsizing that, that the big boys predicted 10 years ago from the baby boomers yes um because you finally are retiring and now's the time you give up your neighbor all your friends and your uh, your garden and your favorite barista i doubt it and <laughs> people stay still yeah. at home yeah finding a way to keep it so it's yeah. definitely going to be in the two and even threes the weird bit is that nobody's building them right um and so even more so the demand is going to outstrip supply. Just watching what's being built by all the developers right now. Of course, they're trying to de- develop product that can sell in today's market. And you get into two and three bedroom and, you know, your cost per square foot and it starts to be a bit of a stretch. Hence the micro suites, one bedroom and bachelor units, the studio, I guess we call them now. Mm-hmm. How old am I? My goodness, calling them bachelor units. The, it's okay. <laughs> they speak up, son. The... Um, <laughs> So that's that's something that everybody's got to pay attention to. Is the becoming 27% of the population, a little bit more in GTA uh, or in Toronto itself, uh, are, are these millennials, and that's bigger or as big as the number of baby boomers. And you know what we did to the world. So the millennials are next. So very interesting, yeah. Um, in terms of the low-rise market, do you see anything stopping the seemingly, you know? unstoppable momentum behind the low rise market, uh, you know, in Vancouver, in Toronto, you know, 10, 15% growth in average prices year after year. I know we, you know, like to talk about average prices, but, uh, reality is, uh, you know, you, you can see almost feel the prices rising every month. It seems, uh, do you see anything stopping that? At what point are we, should we really be raising the red flag and saying, this is a major concern? I think that I think it's a bit of a red flag now in some communities, but you know, at the end of the day, every I I looked up all of our notes from the '80s and the '90s to do to do it because once again, perspective, right? Keeping perspective, and I looked at it. It's like, how is it ever going to be an average price over 250 grand? How is anyone ever going to afford? You know, the, these kind of commentaries that have been going on forever. Will something happen? Absolutely, it always stops the market always stops at one point and it's generally right around the time when somebody's going ah it's different this time but but stopping is not bursting of a bubble and market collapsing like the u.s stopping is is everybody just kind of going whoa wait a second this this is getting a little bit untenable and i think a a really if you really want to see a psychological, as you mentioned, real estate is very psychological. A psychological tapping of the brakes 
is is to see the um, Bank of Canada raise the market or make the, the um, prime rate quarter point or half a point. Now it's right. not going to make a massive difference in somebody's payments, but psychologically it is. And here's the interesting bit: is that nobody's talking about the um, dramatic mortgage rate in, uh, increases that have occurred over the last year, 16 months. And of course, the posted rates aren't really changing because you can't do that. But the discounts that you're seeing on variable and the discounts that you're able to negotiate on the locked in aren't anywhere near what they were 16 months ago. Right. You're, you're, in essence, the mortgage rates have gone up while the market has got hotter. So that once again goes to people don't do math very well no. and they just respond psychologically. So a, if they really wanted to slow it down, they would they would do a psychological ploy and increase the interest rate. Well, of course, that screws up the underlying fundamentals called the Canadian dollar and the ability for us to export. So it's, a, you know, it's between a rock and a hard place for these guys. Yeah, yeah. Will it, will it pause? Absolutely it will. Will it be on Thursday? No, it won't. Um, you know, it, it, for me to, to, once again, to say, and I, I see guys doing this, and going, it's going to go up and it's going to stop in August of 2017. I'm going, dude, you have no clue. Right, right. Possible to be that specific. Way too many variables. Investors and homeowners need to know that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about your own portfolio a little bit. I, I heard a great interview with you recently. Um, uh, with Erwin uh, Zueto over at Mr. Hamilton there. I'll include a link to that one in the show notes as well. Everyone can listen to that. It was a great one. Um, and you talked a little bit about your own portfolio. One of the things that caught me by surprise, um, maybe it shouldn't have, but uh, you mentioned you own a lot of condos. Um, okay, so maybe maybe you could talk to us a little bit about your portfolio, the condos that you like to buy or you have bought or, or you know what you have. Um, and what are the, you know, what are the pros and cons of condominium investing versus other types of property? <laughs> As a benevolent dictator, <laughs> condos, uh, is, is, uh, psychologically more challenging than owning uh, non-condos, obviously, because then you have to defer to listening to discussions by, 70 other people as they try to make a decision, which I'm really not very patient with. But uh, that's, that's the downside. The upside for me is the ease of management, um, the location, generally in these high-dense areas. I, I'm targeting now. I used to target upper, lower, lower, middle uh, class income uh, people in, uh, that are the baby boomers who have good jobs, right, that kind of region. Well, <laughs> blessed am I because I bought in the regions that now of that used to be that, are now becoming really hot for millennials, which is the next giant trend. So the difference is I'm going to have to be spending more money on the renovation because the millennials won't accept the same crappy stuff that us baby boomers, when we first moved out, you know, I would never show you a picture of the first place I, I moved out to. It's disgusting. It came with a rake for the, uh, for the uh, carpet, and you didn't <laughs> God knows what was in there. And Oh, boy. Yeah, oh yeah it was beautiful. And... Um, but that's not going to be acceptable now. So you, uh, so you're, I'm buying condos because they're, hey, I don't know, economically, fundamentally right. They're close to transit. They're high dense. They're in walkable neighborhoods. Walkscore.ca is so important right now and will become increasingly more important. Yep. Um, you, 
the ease of management, because if I own three or four in a building, you know, it's easier for me to get a property manager because, by the way, I don't uh, – I value my time. I don't want to manage my own properties. And um, I know people go, oh, well, it costs you 10% or 9% or 4%, depending on the city and the type of your gross income. I'm going, so your time's not worth anything. You know, that's that's how I look at it. I, say, I don't want the stress of all of that. So it's easier for me to do that because they're more concentrated. It's cheaper um, from an inspection point of view because everybody should inspect their properties at least once a year. Um, having them all located in the in these kind of more hubs, um, and you share the cost when the roof goes or the boiler goes. And frankly, uh, the real the real reason is I buy property that makes financial and economic fundamental um, sense. Yep. So I have single family homes. I have with basement suites, legal, by the way. Um, I have <laughs> houses. I have which are I guess semis in Toronto. Yep. Um, I have uh, row houses. I have condos in low-rise walk-ups, like three-story kind of thing. Yep. I have um, condos in towers. I have, I'm just going through my, my head. I have um, light industrial parks, but also light industrial condos, which is really quite interesting. Hmm. Um, you know, you get the right covenant there, and that's that's a, can be a real cash flow king, but you have to have deep pockets to get into that one. Um, I also own multifamily buildings, like uh, 20, 20 to 40 unit kind of buildings. Mm-hmm. But they're all targeted based on, Don, why would, why would you buy that? Because the math worked. I, okay. I never, ever, ever, and this is truth from the beginning, and people think they're online, but I don't care, is I never have bought for capital appreciation. I've always bought for income replacement, um, you know, cash flow. So it has to buy, it has to fit the model so that when the music pauses, I'm not like standing, I'm not going to name the tower, but you know, you might know one or two of the towers in Toronto where people bought in the pre-sale and then by the time they got handed their keys, of course the price has actually gone down and there's no way they could rent them out because they were way too expensive because they were just thinking they were going to flip them. And now you're standing there with no plan B or plan C, all you have is plan F, which is foreclosure, and that's not good. Mm-hmm. So speculation versus buying for cash flow. And then here's the cool bit. is If you buy for cash flow and you buy any of these kind of properties that are based on economics and in-migration and all that kind of stuff, and something happens, like in, for instance in Edmonton, you've got such a giant buffer, economic buffer built into it, that you don't feel the pain that people who are buying that are just squeaking by yeah. Uh, ever do. I, I grew up in a risk adverse family. I'm I'm a I'm the king of risk mitigation. Right. Um, it has not hurt my returns at all. It just means that it takes me an extra day or two to make a decision. That's it. Nice, nice. And when you when it comes to condos, you buying uh, what do you like? If you're if you were shopping for condo today, yeah, that was my question. Older condos. It sounds like you're buying older buildings in great locations and you're renovating them. Yes, hundred percent. And um, I, I, want, I definitely take the, the last two, if not three years of condo minutes and read them voraciously looking for, okay, who's the condo king here? Is it, are they making smart decisions? This is before I buy. Um, are they making smart decisions? Uh, you know, what's their condo reserve fund study really say? Are they living up to it? 
Uh, Condo Reserve Fund studies, as you know, sometimes are uh, overblown. You have to replace all the windows in the next 10 years, so let's start saving $1,000 a month. It's crazy. Um, But at the same time, um, I want to know that the building is well-maintained. There's no rental restrictions, um, limits of rental restrictions, because that's the other thing that I see investors buy in a building that they they didn't do that homework. And then, uh, what do you mean I can't rent this out? Sorry, the bylaws is the bylaw, which actually, when you think about it, is constitutionally incorrect, but we're not going to get into that discussion. But uh, so at the end of the day, um, yeah, it, but, it's the due diligence that has to be done. Um, do they go to value as much? Right. Probably not. But my, my, you know, for 20 years, my thing is you have, I want real estate to fund my life, not be my life. Right. And, um, and if, it, if I want it to be my life, then I'll just buy a whack of single family homes and manage them myself. And yes, feel like I'm busy. Right. Rather, like I'm going to do here in about a month and a half is going to, I'd rather fly to the UK and go to the Glastonbury music festival with me and 170,000 other crazies and, and hang out there knowing fair well that the real estate is well taken care of rather than looking at my texts every 15 minutes wondering, Oh God, I wonder what's next. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's something that we talk about a lot on the podcast is look, lots of different types of property you can invest in single family homes probably are going to give you the best ROI long term, especially if you're, you know, splitting them up and, and putting multiple units in them. Yeah. But it's a question of lifestyle. Like you said, is, is do you want to make a great return and have no life or do you want to make a good return and have a great life? And um, is, is you don't have to live where you invest. And I see people just so obsessed about, Oh, I want to live in Toronto. I want to uh, invest in Toronto. Yeah. Great. But you know, you can get a way better ROI if you start to look out in some areas where you may never even have visited or have a, in your world, a bad reputation. Live downtown Toronto. Have the view. Walk down to all the great restaurants, but put your money to work. Make your money work harder than you and find some spots, whether it is in Toronto, maybe. Maybe it's out in the, the, in the junction or the junction triangle. Uh, maybe it's, you know, Leslieville, which is getting expensive. Maybe it's anywhere along the TTC, but maybe, just maybe, because the GO train is going to be expanding and it's going to go uh, through Grimsby down to Niagara, mm-hmm. maybe the unfound spot is to buy an older building with 10 suites in it in Grimsby and just wait. You know, that, and, and then live your life, get a manager, drive down there every couple of months, go to the Niagara winery while you're doing it, yeah. and then drive home. You know, that's a, that's something like that sounds like a being in your life, not not. I mean, a funding your life, not a being in your life. That sounds like a nice Saturday right there. <laughs> By the way, the Forty Creek Distillery there is really awesome too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good, good, good. Actually, it was funny because that was one of the questions I did want to ask you was, um, is it better to buy close to home, what you know, so to speak, or is it better to diversify or just to go anywhere where the numbers are good, like? Uh, you know, there are also, I guess, risks of going to places that you don't know as well. Um, but what your philo- your philosophy is is basic. Well, go ahead. Yeah, you can know an area better than the locals in a week of study, right? Because you have no emotional attachment to that neighborhood or that street or that whatever, right? So if you just take Scarborough, I remember we took bus tours through Scarborough, and people in Toronto were losing their 
stuff saying, why are we driving around here? This is crazy. And, and I'm going, no, this is like where it's going to happen. Now, of course, there's still neighborhoods that may or may not work there. But there have people have made millions because they didn't buy into past history, past story and headlines. It's the same thing. Um, I, I have an interesting philosophy, which I have adopted from Mr. Buffett, and that's put all your eggs in one basket and really watch that basket. So I'm mm. a geographic specialist. So I don't want to have a property in Halifax and a property in Montreal and a property in Barrie and a property in downtown Toronto um, because the expense of managing that is so much higher than if I have all my pro- – I'm just going to make Grimsby up again, but I, I, I'm going to put all my properties into Grimsby. I know what's coming. I know it better than the locals mostly because I actually spent a couple of minutes on the interwebs and um, <laughs> my homework. Yeah. And then I just I just obsess about Grimsby. And then when somebody phones and says, hey, you know, we got this thing in Oakville, you kind of go, no, I'm a Grimsby guy, sorry. Oh, you're going to miss out. Yep, I am. Thank you. <laughs> Get in your way. Um, yeah, yeah. If it work, buy more. And if the numbers don't work, then stop buying. That's right. I, yeah. So you don't have to buy. Sorry. Sorry about that, realtors. But you don't, <laughs> you don't have to buy. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, Don, it's been great chatting. Why don't, why don't we finish up and tell us a little bit about your more about your um, your passion project right now you got working on the, 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 the farm and what is what is it and why are you doing it? Hmm. Well, you know, uh, birthday's coming up in a couple of days, 50-something. And um, uh, I've always had this thing that I really need to change the conversation around things. And I believe that we've done that in real estate. I remember 20 years ago, people we were talking about economic fundamentals and reading my headlines and everybody's going, uh, what is this guy talking about? And now, of course, everybody attempts to do it, which is good. That's exactly the goal. So I'm happy that you're all talking about economic fundamentals. That's awesome. <laughs> Wasn't happening 20 years ago. The, uh, yeah. Now what my legacy project is, is I'm... I'm using the model of a high-tech hubs. You know, you, they build those uh, those high-tech hubs where all the young companies come together and are under one roof, and they get the infrastructure, et cetera, and um, and it, it creates its own energy. Well, I'm going to be doing that uh, in agriculture. It's going to be an agriculture innovation hub. Uh, it's going to be a hub as well as a school, and uh, there are so many kids out there who don't have you know, farm kids, et cetera, who don't have the grades or the time to go through and get an ag degree at a university. And we're going to be able to provide them an opportunity for them to innovate, like find ways in which we can create more food in Canada on the acres that we have uh, without mono farming, without all of that stuff. And there's, there are some brilliant minds out there, 18, 19, 20 years old, that have nowhere to do it because land is so expensive and, and frankly, they just want to go and figure out if duckweed's going to feed the world or not. And I want to be able to provide that. And later on today, as a matter of fact, Andrew, I'm going to go talk to a farmer who is um, nearing the end of his career. Let's do it that way. And uh, he has really, really bought into the legacy story, and um, we're going to see if we can cut a deal for another big parcel of, of beautiful ag, ag land um, and uh, start there at the school. It's going to be greenhouses. It's going to be container farming. It's going to be duckweed to 
densification to square foot gardening to slope garden. It's it's going to be quite. Um, I'm very very excited about it. And I and then at the end of the day when I'm 80, I'm just going to donate it to some university or college or city to keep running it. Wow, that's that sounds very interesting, very fascinating. Um, like you said, obviously, uh, you see a big need in the, in this country for um, you know for a platform like that, for such, especially for young people to uh, to explore and to uh, to innovate. That's that's well, really cool. To, if people go to Facebook and go to what am I, the Rain Man on there? I think R E I N. You can see some of the, the the gardening stuff that we do there, and the and the agriculture stuff. Um, that's that that has inspired people across the country to even put containers on their condo decks because even on your condo deck if you grow tomatoes or lettuce or radishes or anything it just feels nice that you've you, you've done that yourself you can go out and pick something that you with your own hands have created and um and i think that we're seeing a lot more of that we're seeing more backyards with the raised garden beds um, there's going to be a whole course on that because I see people doing it poorly um, and getting poor results and getting frustrated and then just saying, oh, this stupid thing doesn't work. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, – I think we're on, on early stages because the millennials are really buying into it. And if that happens, well, look out. You know, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's a big trend. Actually, Daniels, uh, the developer here in the GTA, they're big on um, urban agriculture. And one of the things they've been doing – on all of their new condo buildings for the past couple of years is gardening plots um, as a, as an amenity and, think about, and they're very popular. And think about how expensive that is for them. Yeah. It's just concrete and dirt <laughs> on a roof. <laughs> yeah. But it yeah, brings the community together. It's something that everyone in the building can take part in and uh, it produces something valuable food. <laughs> and what they need then is an agrologist or somebody who, who knows what kind of, dirt slash compost to put in yeah it actually is going to perform and it's actually yep. going to not be one of those things that is a great selling feature and then dies after three years yeah they've uh they seem to have that piece in place as well they they bring in experts to guide the residents and teach them how to you know grow and, and be successful so well they need to be applauded and lauded and that needs to get out into the world that that's what they're doing because that, mm-hmm. that is a trend that's going to be um uh not short-lived for sure absolutely great well don thank you so much again for your time today really appreciate it of course i'll include links to everything we've talked about in the show notes and links to uh people to reach out and contact you any parting words final words from you today yeah i i would like to leave people with that that whole thing two things number one is get out of your echo chamber Mm -hmm. um if everybody around you is saying the same thing and and it supports your opinion um, <laughs> go get some more people to hang around with. Uh, make sure that you are checking your data. Um, make sure you understand that the music does stop. It always stops at some point. Are you prepared? Are you financially prepared for when the music stops? Values aren't going up. Things aren't selling as quickly. Um, realtors, if you're listening, put money aside because this does end at some point. And it's kind of nice that it's, that you're not the one that's going to be desperately having to sell the next condo just to feed your family. And, um, and, and, and yeah, so th- those, those things are, are so important. And also, um, if, if, you get, if you're listening to this and you see somebody who's not smiling or having a crap day, 
uh, after you heard this, then please just smile at them or check in on them because there are a lot of people who are struggling with many, many different things and you can make a difference just with a smile. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Don. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.